It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio.
at Lexington Green and North Bridge in Concord and along Battle Road on April 19, 1775. What brought them there, who they were, what they did, why they did it, and then some discussion of the vision that the founders had for this nation. And everyone is doing it without getting paid. That doesn't mean that you can't uh, you can't give them a clap on the back, uh, a metaphorical one, on the radio, and uh, tell them thanks. So if you want to call in, 347-308-8790. And of course, if you have any uh, experience with uh, bartering while we're talking about that, or our discussion of seeds or in gardening, you're welcome to call in during those times too, okay? That's the whole reason that, I'm, that I pay for 50 phone lines so that you guys can call in and talk. So I challenge you guys to call in tonight and uh, and add to the discussion. Because the whole reason I'm doing this is for you. I already know what I know. <clears throat> now, I mean, I know some things that you're going to call in and tell me, but that's one of the reasons I need you to call in and talk to me, okay? Uh, I see that Sam, my co-host here, Sam D, is telling me that uh, he just did a roundup tonight and got 17 eggs. Now, I'm wondering if that is, Sam, is that like every night you get 17 eggs? Or is it, it is. you know, every <laughs> night? There you go, man. That's a good deal. You got something to start bothering with right there. I do it every day. I do it every eggs. day. So have you taught any of your dogs how to suck eggs? Nope. No. They get to eat a lot of them. <laughs> I bet they do. My dogs love eggs too, but uh, but 17 a day—that's pretty good. That's real good. It's because uh, you're talking about almost uh, almost uh, well, a little over 100 eggs, uh, 100 eggs a week. That's uh, that's some good trading stuff there. How many of those eggs uh, are, are viable for eating? Oh, all of them are. They're all good to eat. Well, that's good. And then you've got, uh, let's see here, it says you've got 19 hens. That's pretty good, man. That is really good. Uh, I swap them off for all kind of things, food for me, hay, you name it. Well, that's what we're talking about tonight on is bartering. Uh, you do any bartering? Uh, well, you just told me you did. You're swapping the egg. What, like, uh, what are you, uh, what will you swap eggs for? Oh, sometimes I swap eggs for car parts. <laughs> uh, you know, just all kind of things. Uh a fellow might have some seeds that I want especially or some already uh, already grown vegetables. I'll swap for that for something that I don't grow myself. And, uh, and I don't just swap eggs. I swap my services doing different jobs for things. And uh, I got a neighbor that needs things done around his place, can't do much. He mows my lawn. I take care of a few things for him. There you go. Well, I do quite a bit We all too. look out for each uh, other. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, we've got some neighbors that uh, will plant uh, different things through the year, and uh, and usually they'll have, like a couple of folks will have, uh, one person I know plants, Turnips, and uh, they will plant oh 
it's about a half acre. And for those of you that don't know how much a half acre of turnips are, it's, that's a lot. That's a lot of turnips. <laughs> and while I while I like turnips, there would be no way in Hades I could eat uh, a half acre of turnips. But luckily, the cattle will, the horses will, uh, the hogs will. You know, they'll all eat that. And uh, and I do like the greens, the turnip greens. So I'll, I'll eat a lot of the greens. But you got to be you got to be extra careful with the greens and wash them real good because one bad thing about greens that you usually find or I usually find is that, uh, you know, if, especially if it's planted in any kind of a sandy soil, you know, there's rain, and that rain will hit the ground and splash back up, and it'll splash sand back up with it. And uh, then you'll have nice sandy greens. And... Uh, <laughs> And they're crunchy, nice crunchy sandy green. So uh, I got into where I had to like wash each individual leaf, you know, depending on what kind of field it comes out of. But uh, I'll trade, uh, you know, I'll go over there and I'll, and like with the turnip field, he just leaves us the field open just so people will come and get it. But I'll go over there and I'll pick up, uh, I'll pick up maybe, uh, you know, two or three dozen uh, turnips, and. Uh, and the, and the greens with them. But then I'll drop off a bale of hay there too, and uh, and then I have certainly uh, I have no problem with uh, you know plowing a small field for somebody uh, for, for trade. Uh, I'll go and I'll cut hay, and uh, for somebody that has a, a field of hay but they don't have any equipment, I'll cut the hay and I'll take uh, you know half of the hay as my pay for it. So that's uh that's bartering right there. Uh I'm bartering my services, my service of cutting hay, I'm bartering for the actual hay itself. Uh and <clears throat> bartering is a really great uh skill to have. <clears throat> now I I, I when I was doing the research this week for the show, uh, I saw that there is a TV show called Barter Kings. Now, I haven't seen it. Sam, have you seen it? No, I haven't. Well, apparently there's some show about about guys that barter, and and what it's called is bartering up. And the theory is, and it's not just a theory, it's actually a, a pretty common practice, although I, I was reading another article that saying it was getting harder, uh, is you you start trading and you're always trading up. And it takes a little bit of skill to do this, but you can do it. You could take uh, an item worth 100 bucks, and you could trade it to somebody for something worth 150 And you take that $150 item and you trade it for somebody to somebody who... Where you end up getting a two hundred or two hundred fifty dollar item, and you just keep going until uh, the sky's the limit. Uh, and I believe that's what the Barter King show uh, has as its as its baseline. But there are plenty of stories of people that that have done it. I was reading a a story about a guy who started out, uh, and I don't know if this is urban legend or not. It sounds like to me, but he started out uh, with uh, some paper clips. And he traded some paper clips, and at the end of his paper clip run, he had a convertible. You know, at the end of his trading, 
without uh, without uh, paying any money or uh, at any point or anything like that. He just kept trading up and kept trading up. Uh, there's a there's a reason if you're a prepper that you'd like to get good at this and and you would like to have some good knowledge of it and uh, a good knowledge of how to do it because in the event that uh, that something happens and and you can't get money or you can't uh, or you can't get your money out of the bank or, or whatever the case may be or money becomes worthless which uh, which it certainly seems like we're on that road now, doesn't it? Like our money is rapidly becoming worthless. And when that happens, a, a pile of cash isn't going to be isn't going to do you any good. Uh, I was looking at a picture. Well, I think I was reading something about inflation the other day, and I was looking at a picture of uh, of a German guy in I believe in the 1920s Germany. He had a wheelbarrow full of cash that he was taking to the bakers to buy a couple of loaves of bread. Because the money had become virtually worthless. And it was taking uh, a couple of, uh, it was taking a wheelbarrow of of cash money to buy a couple of loaves of bread. Uh, When I was working with a film crew down in Houston on a Chuck Norris movie, uh, some of the folks had just come back off a shoot over in Africa, and they were talking about the country there that uh, that the inflation was so bad in that country that that they weren't counting out the money; they were just measuring it. Uh, they could, you know, they would get a they would get paid in a stack of bills, you know, each week in the local currency, and the stack of bills would be like, uh, you know, like about a a good 10 or 11 inches high. And then when, he, when they went out to eat, uh, they didn't uh, they didn't count the money out. They just kind of measured it. They knew that, you know, a half inch of stack bills was X amount and an inch of bills was about such amount. So they just, they just kind of took a stack and peeled off a, a half inch to pay for their, uh, you know, for their dinner. Uh, <clears throat> when money becomes worthless, you have to figure out something else, and you need to you need to understand how it works. Now, when I was talking about the trading up earlier, uh, I, I know that there's a discussion about that, like saying is that is it ethical or is that right? And absolutely, it is. As long as both parties in the trade are happy, then how can that be wrong? You know. Now that that doesn't mean that there should be any uh, uh, any kind of anything mixed in with that. And by that I mean uh, uh, any kind of uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Uh, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be misrepresenting your item or something like that. It should be a, a fairly a fair trade. Uh, but that doesn't mean that a person who has something that's worth uh, 150 bucks and you have something that's worth about 100 bucks, 
That doesn't mean that that person may not want to just go ahead and trade you for it, or trade you even for it. And uh, like I said, as long as as both parties are are open and honest, and they're both satisfied with the trade, then it's a good trade. Uh, if you if you have something that you can trade, uh, and it doesn't have to just be uh, an item. It doesn't have to just be uh, like a, a bucket of eggs like Sam had uh, or a bushel of beans or something like that. It could be a skill. Uh, you know how to fix a car. Somebody needs a car fixed. They're willing to trade. Uh, they're willing to trade you uh, uh, some item to have their car fixed. Then there you go. You've done, you've just uh, rendered a service for goods. <clears throat> and uh, I'm sure the government doesn't like this because uh, they're not getting to they're not, you're, they're not getting their sales tax off of it. But and, and so you're saving money. But <clears throat> there's an easy way that you can get started uh, with bartering, and uh, and I would recommend you guys uh, give it a try. You can. Uh, the uh, everybody has a Craigslist now in their area, and the Craigslist, uh, I believe, has been reporting over the last uh, over the last couple of months that their bartering section has really skyrocketed. Uh, I believe that there was, if I'm correct, that it was uh, that it was over a hundred percent increase. It, it, it over doubled in the last year. If you go to the Craigslist in your area, then you can look at uh, at things that people that are willing to trade, and there's a there's a ton of stuff that people are willing to trade, and you could decide you could you know figure out the, uh, something that you want to trade for it. Hold on just a second. I'm looking for. Uh, I'm going to go to the barter. Section here for uh, for our my uh, here we go. I'll read you some of the stuff that uh, people are uh, okay. There's somebody you want to do automotive repair for. It's uh, several question marks, and they are uh, they've got it open. They want to do automotive repair for. So you may need something done to your vehicle, say, and you right now and you don't have any money. If you take your uh, vehicle down to, over to Walmart or something to get uh, some work done, it, and you say, "Hey, look, I don't have any cash right now. I'm I'm I'm, I'm tight until uh, my next paycheck. Now, how about if I give you uh, this uh, unopened set of uh, dishes that I got from uh, my mother-in-law uh, last year? Uh, would you take that for?" Uh, you know, for uh, for a tune-up, oh, absolutely they're not going to do that, right? But the people here on the bargain list are going to do that. Uh, they're not asking this, this one guy here. He's not asking for something specific. He's saying, I'll do the automotive repair for, and let's make a deal. And that's the way it works on here. Uh, here's another one, 55-gallon freshwater fish tank. And... Uh, 
He says he's got a 55-gallon freshwater fish tank, uh, along with everything in the pictures, which is uh, filled up with plants and gravel and rocks and everything, and a stand, and uh, but he never had fish in it. And he's waiting for the best offer or something of value. Okay? That's how it's working. Uh, and you can do the same thing. Uh, you can take something in your home, and you can take a picture of it, put it on Craigslist. It only takes a couple of minutes to to set up an account there. And, uh, and you can start your trading. I noticed it on Facebook. There's uh, some of these, too. There's some trading uh, and bartering uh, pages on there. And uh, I think it's a great way to do, to get, to get stuff and to get rid of stuff. Uh, there's another person who says uh, he has lots of man stuff to sell and trade, and he's interested in things that go boom and man stuff. Uh, he also needs some welding done uh, and some other things. Let me know what you have for trade. If multiple items are wanted, we can work something out. I'm pretty open to traders. And then uh, he been below it. He lists uh, a long list of stuff that he's willing to trade. So there you go. Uh, this is a way that you can that you can be getting stuff that you need. Maybe there's some things that you need. Maybe you need a new faucet for your kitchen sink. Uh, if you put that on Craigslist and say, look, I need a new faucet for my kitchen sink and I'm willing to trade and here's what I have or tell me what you need. And uh, and it's a good way to get started. <clears throat> All right. The, uh, the guy who went through the collapse in Argentina uh, several years ago. He's done a lot of writing on the subject, and he's, he's been on uh, several forums, and and I've, I've heard him speak on different radio shows and stuff like that. He said this is how everybody was making it in Argentina during the financial collapse. Uh, nobody was Nobody was trading... Silver and gold, maybe probably because people didn't have a lot of it, but nobody was really trading silver or gold for anything. Everything was done through barter, and I can certainly envision that happening uh, here if something goes wrong because uh, how many people do you know that has a uh, a roll of uh, gold coins or a, a roll of silver? Not a lot of not a lot of folks. Now there's more and more. Because people are starting to understand uh, the need for it, but and certainly, uh, uh, if you have a uh, several rolls of uh, pre-1960 silver, then you're probably in good shape. But most people don't. Uh, one of the things that I mentioned to you guys uh, several times before, and that the guy uh, in Argentina spoke about, was uh, lighters the uh, big lighters, 
you know, the disposable lighters. Uh, he mentioned how that those were an extremely hot item for bartering. Now, uh, now that's one of the reasons that uh, every time I go to the Dollar General, I have a certain part of my prepping budget that uh, is dedicated to lighters. And so I'll just pick up those uh, blister packs of lighters. Now, uh, something happened last year. I guess they lost the who, wherever they were getting them. But it was a great deal for about a year. You could buy uh, 10 lighters for $2.50, so about $0.25 cents a lighter. And they were the nice, uh, big, uh, pretty hardy, pretty robust lighters. They lasted a good while. And uh, every time I went in to the Dollar General, that was part of my uh, prep budget there. Every time I went in, I picked up a blister pack of the big lighters. I've got a Rubbermaid tote with a blister with the big lighters in there now. Now, uh, it seems, at least in my area, that they lost those 10 packs, and now they've got the, kind of the same thing as from a different manufacturer, but they're five packs. So now it's 50 cents a lighter. But I'm telling you, even if it was a dollar a lighter, you're not going to go wrong by having uh, on hand a stash of big lighters that you can use for barter or trade, okay? Because uh, remember we uh, we talk about the five tenets of survival, water, food, shelter, security, and energy. And energy is going to be a function of, of fire in most cases. Uh, again, you're going to have, something, have to have something to start the fire. It can be it can be flint steel or anything else. I'm just telling you, it's, uh, it's a lot easier to use a lighter, and people are going to be a lot more willing to trade for a lighter than they are for flint and steel. Or a lighter just works better. And uh, having the uh, having a stack of the lighters is going to help you out. Uh, also, things like uh, one of the other things that I've bought in bulk over the years is aspirin. I bought just the regular aspirin in uh, uh, like the 500 and 1,000 tablet containers, and then uh, I sealed it away. <clears throat> now, the aspirin has a, a pretty decent uh, lifespan. Uh, I think it's uh, – I think there's actually not a uh, a date where it goes bad, especially if you store it in a cool, dry place, uh, and especially if you're going to take it and you're going to pack them away – in uh, in the foil bags with the oxygen uh, removal pads, and you're you've got it all sealed up in uh, in a cool dark place, uh, dry, cool, dark, and dry. Then it's going to last a good while. And aspirin, of course, is uh, very important for uh, for thinning blood. And the thinning of the blood helps keep the temperature down. Uh, if people have, if people are have something that's giving them a fever, something that is causing their temperature to rise, uh, unless you have something that you can use uh, to combat that, you're in great danger. And uh, aspirin is one of the things that uh, that people use to keep their fevers down. Uh, 
So I think it's really got to have uh, plenty for my own family, and then I've got plenty of that to trade. I also have, well, I'm gonna, we'll talk about seeds in a little bit more depth in just a minute, but I also have a pretty decent amount of seeds, enough for myself and my family, and then enough that I can trade, that I can barter with, because uh, in the event that uh, that we did have some type of natural or man-made disaster, and we were not able to to get food from uh, the normal sources, then you'll have to rely on either the food that that you have stored away, uh, things that you can hunt or that you can harvest uh, like in animals or wild plants uh, or the seeds uh, that you plant yourself. And it's going to be extremely important that you're able to grow as much of your own food as possible. Uh, now, I'm, just, I'm not going to... I'm not going to dwell on this anymore because we're going to talk about it for a second, but in, a, in just a minute. But uh, seeds are another thing. Uh, I also have uh, uh, a huge amount of uh, uh, pocket knives that I have bought in bulk, and uh, because that's certainly something that you could trade, and you know you can buy these. Uh, um, as a matter of fact, we just bought another hundred from Walmart. Bought a hundred pocket knives for a hundred dollars, and uh, and then I have another several hundred that I bought off that cutlery show. But listen, let me tell you, don't buy anything from them. Uh, it, it 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 is not a quality item, and I'm not, I'm not going to be able to get much as far as my bartering from with these things. But uh, I would probably put it. Uh, but I, but you can get a lot of them, and you may you'll, you'll certainly be able to get your money back in a grid down situation as far as the trading item. But the Walmart pocket knives were much better quality, much higher quality. And uh, right now they've got a really really nice folding pocket knife that uh, they'll sell you for one dollar. And we just uh, went to the website and ordered a uh, hundred of them, and. Uh, <laughs> And they are really good. They're really good. And for a dollar, uh, it's hard to – you'll certainly get your money back with those. So start thinking about the things. Uh, think of the things that you have. Uh, and like I said, you can do this now. You can do this with items. It's like a, almost like a garage sale kind of thing. You can look at items that you have and things that you need, and you may be able to, you may be able to trade your way to it. If you need a spare tire or if you need uh, some work done on your automobile or, or and folks in the in the gun culture, all most of the guys I know have been doing this for a long time with with guns and ammunition and stuff like that. You know, they've the folks in the gun culture we've we we're pretty used to trading and uh trading folks for ammunition or for other uh rifles or pistols or other hunting gear and stuff like that. Uh so this is a way that you can get goods and services without uh, putting out money. 
And it's good to know how to do this because you want to be able to be – you, you you need to be a good trader. You need to know how to make a good trade and not to get suckered into something, not to uh, – not to – Get your not to make a uh, take a low offer or something like that. You need to know how to make a good trade. You the best time to learn that is now before uh, before something goes wrong or goes bad. There are also plenty of sites uh, for you to learn how to do this. Okay, there is uh, all you have to do is uh, Google bartering. And there's probably a lot in each state. There's probably uh, a ton of groups and uh, and things set up so that you can make trades and stuff there in your uh, local to you. And you know, for a long time, they still do this. Folks have swap meets. You know, that's where they go somewhere to swap items they have with somebody else. Uh, in order to get goods or services. And uh, man has been doing this since the beginning of time. And uh, let me take a look here. I'm I'm just going to pull this up here for the bartering site. Uh, There are a ton of online sites for bartering. You Google bartering sites. It will give you a ton of places where you can get started. All right. Okay. Let's uh, let's move on to well before we before we move on let's uh, let's talk real quick about seeds because I already mentioned it uh, just a minute ago that. Uh, that having a source of seeds for you and your family is going to be uh, it's going to be very important because uh, if you can't go and get food from a store or uh, or anything like that, then you're going to have to, you're going to have to figure out some way to get it. And the only real viable alternative is for you to Raise the raise the seed, raise the plants yourself, raise the food yourself. So where are you going to get the seeds? Because let's talk about the seeds just for a second about about how this works. Uh, most times when you go into a store and you look at the seeds, you look at the the big stacks of seeds and stuff uh, that they have there. You'll see all different kinds of seeds uh, for even just for the same plant. Like if you see all the all the different kinds of onions they have, all the different kinds of carrots and tomatoes, and uh, there are there are literally thousands of types of seeds that you could buy. But here's a problem with a lot of those is that the majority of the seeds that you buy commercially today are hybrid seeds. 
I mean, these seeds have been produced uh, in a hybrid fashion, and uh, sometimes they've been genetically modified. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's, that's not always a bad thing. It, it's certainly gotten a bad rap because because it's done bad uh, to a great extent nowadays. But people have been genetically modifying seeds for thousands and thousands of years. But here's the problem with the with the hybrid seeds that you're normally going to encounter commercially is that in order for you to have uh, a garden that takes care of you into the future, that means that you're going to either have to have enough of those hybrid seeds stored correctly uh, to last you uh, until the food gets back in the store or until you die. Uh, you don't want to die because you're not because you're starving, but you're going to have to have enough seed hybrid seeds to last you because if you if you plant those hybrid seeds and then you try and harvest the seeds from those plants, it's going to be something else. It's not going to be the type that you planted, and a lot of times. What comes back is either it doesn't germinate or it comes back as some weaker plant or something that uh something that's not anything like the seed that you planted because the hybrids don't maintain they revert back in order for you to have viable seed of the same type. It needs to be a non-modified seed, and these are generally called heirloom seeds. And and thank goodness there has been a large push uh, over the years uh, back towards uh, saving and cultivating uh, and now selling the heirloom quality seeds. And the thing with the heirloom quality seeds is that Whenever you get the plant and you plant it and it grows and then you harvest the fruit and then you harvest the seeds from that fruit and you dry them out and you plant them the next year, you're going to have a very high rate of germination, uh, depending on how you take care of the seeds and stuff. You're going to have a high rate of germination and you're going to get the exact thing back that you planted. All right? So you need to make sure that whenever you are stocking up on your seeds that first of all you're getting things that you're that you're gonna eat. Because uh, I see people all the time buying seeds and saying, Oh this oh this looks pretty or this looks good and 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 they're buying stuff that no one in their family is going to eat. Now I'm sure if you get hungry enough and even if you hate squash you'll eat it. But the best thing to do is make sure that you're buying things that everybody likes. Buying stuff that everybody likes. Now you can certainly buy other things that we that you know will will go well in trades, you know, melons and tomatoes and stuff like that. Uh or things that you can can or put away. But you need to make sure that you are buying things that your family's gonna eat. So the first thing you need to do is sit down and figure out the things that your family is going to eat and then purchase those seeds and make sure that they're heirloom quality seeds. <laughs> now, I'm talking to some folks uh, here in Texas, and I'm trying to get them to come on this next week. 
uh, from a uh, company called Texas Ready Seeds. And uh, I'm a distributor for Texas Ready Seeds. And one of the things they do is was they'll sell you a uh, a complete seed bank and uh, for a certain price, and uh, it will already have uh, a huge amount of seeds in it, depending on uh, on how many of the other folks there are in your family and uh, how much land you have. Uh, you can pick up, uh, let's see, let me read one of some of these right here. They have one called uh, the Piggy Bank. And this is a $125 package of seeds. You see what it says here. It's recommended for one or two adults wishing to supplement their diet with fresh, nutritious, truly organic produce. Uh, enough seed is provided for a year-round garden for two along with an excess to hold in reserve in case a particular crop does not do well. All right? So <clears throat> you're going to get 80 varieties of seed, which is about uh, 10,000 seeds, about 2,000. And, uh, and they have several different setups that you can purchase. And they also have them tailored to... Uh, the area of the country that you're in. So if you're uh, up north in the northern bank or if you're down south in the southern bank, uh, they can provide the needs for you all the way up to, let me read this one. This is the vault. Uh, it's recommended for up to 12 adults. Enough seed is provided for a year-round garden for a dozen adults with an excess to hold in reserve. And uh, that is... Over 80 varieties of seed and over 80,000 seeds, uh, as well as uh, a stack of books uh, to go with it. The Edible Garden, uh, the Square Foot Gardener, Backyard Homestead, Seed to Seed, New Self-Sufficient Gardener, and uh, that one's going to cost you 485 bucks. But it's a fantastic investment. Because these are seeds that are guaranteed to be organic and heirloom quality seeds, and uh, they're going to be specifically selected for your region. Uh, they come in these uh, uh, airtight ammunition cans, and uh, I'm telling you that this is something you don't want to be without, and that is a good selection of seeds. All right? Uh, all right, I'm going to take, uh, we got a caller on here. It's been uh, a while. I wanted to wait too long. I'm going to take him. Uh, Richard from Hey, Wyoming. how you doing, Scout? How, having a good evening? Yes, I am. How about yourself? I'm having an outstanding evening. I did want to talk to you a little bit about gardening, considering I've been at it so long. And... I basically fed an awful lot of people out of gardens. And I've learned a few things. And I've sure made a lot of mistakes. I'd really like to help people not make those same mistakes that I made. 
So with that in mind, um, you know, I do understand the value of heirloom seeds, and I have quite a collection of them. As a matter of fact, I belong to the uh, Iowa Seed Savers Exchange and have done so for, oh, 35 years or so. And they're a real nice organization. They save seeds from all over, and you just basically exchange your seeds with them, of course, only with heirlooms. And uh, that's a great way of that's a great way of getting some kind of special ones. Um, so it's yeah, a real nice organization that's out there as well, and people should look into that. Um, you can purchase yeah. seeds from them as well. Uh, it's really nice for a novice to buy like a package like what you're talking about, because it helps eliminate a lot of the selection process. But um, there is another that isn't a viable option. You say it's not well, a viable option? I say it's a, it is a viable option oh, right, to right. look in, well, in addition to purchasing, it, say, prepacked seeds. Here's the thing is that you're going to, uh, if, you're, if you are not into this, if you haven't already been doing it for a while or something like that, then that's one of the, thing, one of the things I'm suggesting for folks to do is uh, a lot of folks have money but no time. And, exactly. Uh, I, I think that it's a good deal for for these for those type of folks to go ahead. And I do. I, the, I agree. The, I agree with you on that. But I, I I do have a couple of concerns with with some things. Um, one of the things is is it really takes a long time to really get a garden plot prepped and producible. Um, when you first start out with a with your average plot, just turned over the soil, if you just turned over the grass, um, you're not going to have a very good garden. Now, hold I, on. I don't care now, if you're the best seeds in the world the, and you've got the growing conditions. That you, this is a concern that you have uh, for people to not purchase the seed banks? No, I'm not telling anybody to not purchase anything. And seeds are a va very valuable thing to have. Okay. okay well, hold on just a second. Uh because I understand, I think I understand what you're saying, but we're but we're just now starting the gardening section of the show. So and and we were I understand about that. Just a minute um, ago, and so I understand what you're saying too. But uh, uh, I haven't gotten. Well, to that these are a good thing to have, and don't get me wrong. Um, but starting to work up an area, I, I don't know if people really realize how hard it is to get a plot of land truly garden ready um, and it's not something that you can that like if you get yourself in let's let's say something falls apart this winter and you've got your seeds if you're planning on just tilling up a little section of your lawn and expecting it to be a garden you're going to have issues and it's going to be a very difficult thing for right. you to do Right. Let's, um, let's a lot of times, especially in like I'll tell, you what, let's, let's, I'll tell you what let's do, Richard, is hold on just a second. Uh, hold your horses just a second, and we'll go ahead and start the gardening section of the show here. And that way, the stuff that you're, that you're saying is going to fit in. Because right now it's, it, it, it's in bits and pieces, and I, I want to give folks a chance to, uh, to understand what you're saying. So let me... Uh, let me start off with uh, with uh, agreeing with you, and 
what I wanted to tell folks about the garden section is that the time to practice or the time to start uh, your gardening uh, your gardening phase is well before your gardening you journey, as the case may be. Yeah, because uh, uh, what uh, Richard is saying is absolutely true. Uh, and you don't want to wait until your future, your 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 food stock is dependent on this, for you to find out that certain things won't grow in your area, or to find out that uh, uh, that to make mistakes. All right, because I can one thing exactly. I can guarantee you is that you are going to make mistakes, and you're going to make a lot of them probably. And you're going to find some things that do really well without you even touching them. And you're going to find there's some other things that uh, that may be hard or impossible for you to grow no matter what you do. Uh, you're going to find out that uh, that there are certain pests in your region that are going to destroy you. You're going to find out that uh, if you go and you plant your, your garden and you plant it in a nice, uh, a really nice garden and things are coming up really great, but you don't have a fence, then you're going to find out how quickly one night is all it takes that uh, your whole garden can be be destroyed by one or two adult deer. So these are all the things that you have to figure out now before your life depends on it. And uh, one of the things that uh, Richard brought up uh, a while ago is, is how you're going to start your garden. And, uh, yeah, unless you unless you have gardened before, you have some knowledge of it. Uh, obviously, the smart thing you're going to do for you to do is just start fairly small, and uh, you can't, like he was saying, you can't just. Uh, well, the first thing you need to do is uh, is you're going to have to locate an area for your garden. All right, so you're going to have to go to your yard or your property. And you're going to have to figure out where am I going to put this garden, and. Uh, and you need to you need to ask yourself some questions about this because most of the things that you're going to plant in your garden are going to require uh, a good eight hours uh, of sunlight. So you really can't have a garden area that's shaded, uh, at least not for a large portion of the day. You're going to have to have uh, uh, a pretty decent amount of sunlight. And depending on what plant it is, it's going to have it's going to have different sunlight needs. So you'll need to tailor where you're going to put your your garden, if you have any choice in that, uh, according to the seeds and stuff that you're going to that you're going to plant. And then and and then you need a plan. You need to develop a plan of what you're going to plant and where you're going to plant it. And I would uh, recommend that folks start off with. Uh, with something manageable, like uh, maybe just a, a four foot by four foot section, and uh, you can get your you can get your your hands dirty on that and figuring out uh, figuring out your needs and the plants' needs uh, whenever you're whenever you're introducing yourself to gardening. And uh, there's also plenty of books that will tell you. Uh, there's a square foot gardener. There are plenty of books that will tell you how you can get the absolute most bang for your buck 
uh, out of every square foot of land that you have. And uh, there's a there's a pretty famous group. I know that they they were, made a lot of folks angry. And now right now I can't think of the name of it. You know what I'm talking about, Richard? The group out in uh, uh, I believe it's California. Uh, they started mm. a uh, I don't remember if they if they if they tried to uh, patent permaculture. Uh, oh yeah, I remember some of that. Yeah, they basically were trying to patent age old age old. Uh, they were basically trying to patent age old procedures. Um, right. In many cases, I do right. remember they, hearing they, of some of that. It was an, an it was an yeah. absolute fail. I mean. Um, yeah, I do recall. I do recall that. Yeah. I can't think of the name of the group, though. But, uh, but the point is is that these guys were, uh, they just had a very small plot of land right around their house, uh, and this was in a downtown area, and uh, they were able to feed uh, not just themselves, but uh, big sets of their community uh, with their gardening practices. So you can, even just a small garden can, can provide a great deal uh, of your family's needs. Now, you're going to have to take a look at your soil and where you're going to plant it. Like uh, Richard was saying, you can't just you can't just go out there. You can't turn the ground straight over if it uh, has a thatching of grass and stuff on it, and, and then plant your seeds directly into it because you're you're introducing a whole bunch of uh, of different things at once, and that's not a great idea. So what you can do is uh, a lot of folks, like uh, over the winter, if I'm going to put in a new area, what I'll do is I'll I'll cover the area that I'm going to start up with either black plastic or with other dirt or something uh, over the winter, and then it, usually it's ready by the spring for me to plant into it. But you're going to have to have a plan. You're going to have to do some work to get at this. If you're uh, even if you're in the city. You can still have things like uh, raised beds, and uh, you can build yourself a raised bed pretty easy. I've got uh, some buddies uh, over in Alabama who are using uh, hay bales as their planting mediums, and they're doing great. They just uh, they just take a saw and they cut the center out of the hay bale, and they fill it with uh, with their planting medium, and they're planting the plants directly into the hay bales. And, well, that's an interesting uh, concept, isn't it? Yeah, the second year they've done this, and they had some really great, uh, uh, some really great crops out of this. So, yeah, you know, and I think that's really important. Look at these. If, if I may, it's really important to look at these, look at these alternative methods, because so many suburban areas. Basically, the only ground that you've got around your house is what they excavated from the basement. And basically, that's a real heavy, well, it's whatever material you've got in your general area. And then they put like a half inch or an inch of topsoil on it, and then heavily fertilized grass is what's growing there. And as soon as you get down below that little grass root area, there isn't any topsoil there. So what you're saying is an excellent idea. Right. But if you do want to plant in the ground, that's fine. But here's what you got to do. Take a look at your soil. Like Richard was saying, you can take a lot of yards, even if people didn't have basements. Uh, you know, I've, I've been in construction for 30 years. I've seen how they do it. You know, they scrape the ground clean. 
they scrape it down to the clay. Uh, they'll come in. They'll throw uh, a half inch or an inch of uh, uh, soil down, and then they'll lay the grass on top of it. And and that's what you have for your grass. And if that's the, if that for your for your yard, if that's the case, it's not going to do really great for gardening. You know that grass, a lot of the grass that they put in there, the St. Augustine and stuff like that, and the different varieties are bred to to survive in that. But what you'll need to do is you'll need to go out and look at your soil. Find out what kind of soil you have uh, and find out what it needs. If you uh, – what you can do is you can, you can buy an, a fairly inexpensive uh, soil test kit, like uh, from your local gardening shop or something like that. Uh, you can do that, but, but do keep shovel. in mind you can go to your agricultural extension office and they'll do – not only will they give you information on the soil in your area – but they'll do basic soil tests for you as well, oftentimes for free. Right, right. You can uh, you can do your own soil test. Uh, you just say, you know, you'll dig a hole, you'll take a shovel, slice off a a good section of it, and take a look at it. See what what do you have? Do you have uh, a clay soil, or is it a sandy soil? Uh, is it a humus soil? And whatever it is, you can basically get a good start yourself. It's just a clay soil. Uh, you need to you need to add something to break the clay apart because the clay is very very fine particles and whenever they dry out they dry out hard and solid and nothing can grow and it doesn't hold nutrients but you can take and add uh, like a coarse sand to the soil don't add beach sand all right guys don't add beach sand to your soil uh, there's too much stuff in it that's that's not good including salt. But you can order uh, add a coarse sand to your clay soil along with compost and peat moss, and that will help break the soil up and uh, put the organics back into it. If you have a sandy soil, then you can add uh, humus. Uh, you can add aged manure, and I say aged because you don't want to put you don't want to put fresh manure in unless you're not going to use it for the year because different types of manure have different potencies and they. And it takes a little while for them to cool down. It might, if you put in fresh manure in your ground, it may be too hot uh, for what you're for your planting. But you can put in. Well, don't manure, forget, don't forget moss, the green manure in the form of alfalfa. The what now? Don't forget the green manure in the form of alfalfa too. That is another quick way of doing it. Raise up a crop of alfalfa. Yeah, you could you could plant a. Uh, uh, some type of a uh, legume or something in your uh, in your garden if you have time. I'm just talking about if you want to if you if you find out that you have a sandy soil or something like that, then there's things you can add to it. You can add the humus or the aged manure, or peat moss or sawdust, uh, put some nitrogen in it. Uh, you can even add back a little bit of the uh, clay-rich soil back into sand uh, to help bind it. If you have a silky soil. Um, that's the uh, uh, like the, the soil that you'll find under pine trees and, and stuff like that. Then you can add uh, uh, coarse sand or uh, compost, maybe a little gravel, uh, horse manure with uh, with straw in it, stuff like that to to help even out the sand. Now, uh, if you're starting. Uh, from scratch with a small field or, or a large garden that is either 
that's either been worn out or uh, uh, or it's neglected. Now that's that's kind of like a whole different thing, but you can certainly do that too. And you're going to need to uh, you're going to need to remember that every time you plant something or you, you grow something in the garden, you're you're taking stuff out of the ground. And you need to remember that you're needing that you're going to need to add it back into the ground. All right, and we're going to go. We're going to keep. Uh, we're going to keep talking about gardening uh, over the next few weeks. Uh, you'll need to. You'll need to make a decision on whether you're going to till soil or you're going to create a raised bed. And I have both. Uh, because there's there are different things that I want to grow, and and I have different ways that I want to grow them. But you can certainly uh, look at having raised beds. That's where you you take some kind of a uh, like a barrier wall or something like that, and you set it up. I used uh, old cross ties, old railroad cross ties that I had that uh, from a from a stockpile that I got a long long time ago. I'm almost out of them, but back in the old days. The uh, the railroads would replace their cross ties, and they would just throw the old ones in the ditch, and then the people would come along and pick them up and take them. Now you can't do that anymore. Don't get caught trying to go and pick up some of those cross ties off the railway right away anymore, because they'll put you in jail. I think all those are always uh, accounted for. They're bundled up and shipped off to Walmart now for twenty bucks a piece. But uh, you can usually uh, you can still find them in different places, but you can use cross ties, uh, you can use rocks, uh, you can use uh, lumber. You can take some uh, two by sixes or two by twelves and make yourself a raised bed by uh, putting the barriers there in place and then filling it with the soil that you've made. Now this does a couple of things. You know, it allows you to uh, to completely hand mix the soil that you're going to put in there and it also makes the soil uh gives the soil good drainage so that the so that the the, the planting ground isn't staying wet now Rick brought up uh, another thing too a while ago that's sitting here on my list, and that is uh talking to folks, especially in your local area that know what's going on in your local area now most of the universities uh, and of course the state and the county too will have an agricultural extension service and you can just look at it you can google it uh usually for your county uh Milan County Bell County Williamson County agricultural extension service and uh they have guys there that are university graduates in uh, agriculture and and they will be able to tell you uh they will give you a lot of good hints on how to get started uh and then, of course, if you have access to the internet, then then the the possibilities are endless. Because when I was googling uh, gardening and how to get started gardening, there are there are thousands uh, of uh, articles and folks. And one of the best the best ways I've found of getting information nowadays on just about anything, and it's all the way from. Uh, from changing the uh, the electric motor in your car window uh, to fixing a lawnmower to whatever it is, there's always 
uh, a dozen forums online where you can go and you can ask people for free uh, how they did something or how to do something or to get, get an answer to your question. Uh, what uh, kind of pesticides you can use or, or how can you uh, how can you keep the bugs off your crops and have them still remain organic. Uh, there are there are literally hundreds, especially for gardening, because you know, gardening is a huge pastime for most folks and uh, and a source of income for a lot of folks too. But you can go online and you can uh, find uh, hundreds of sites <clears throat> with folks that have a ton of information and they're willing to share it with you for free. Uh, and just about any time you're in, in any large group of folks, if you stood up and said, hey, can somebody uh, answer some questions for me about gardening? I don't care what uh, income bracket you're in, uh, what uh, race, gender, culture, whatever, you're always going to get uh, several people that are going to stand up and say, hey, I'll be glad to help you. Because uh, there are a you know, lot you're, of you couldn't you couldn't be more right in that scout. You're you're absolutely that is spot on. Just make sure that you're not getting Florida advice if you live in Michigan. Um, yeah. You know, because yeah. what grows down there may not grow for you. That's one of the advantages okay. of the local. But the other thing that I've found that's really helped me out is to make sure I print hard copies of important information. Because if we get into a grid down situation. Those forums are gone, and boy, I'll tell you what, it's so hard for me to remember what I learned two or three years ago, and then I'm trying to look back, and did I save that? Where did I put that? I've even got extra hard drives, and I put stuff on other drives, but boy, I'll tell you, there's nothing like a three-ring binder with important information in it. Right, and I was just getting ready to get to that, and because that is called, or that is what I like to call the journal, and almost anybody who is serious about uh, gardening has a journal and uh, matter of fact that's uh, that's how one of the oldest journals in America got started the Farmer's Almanac Almanac, that's right which is a wealth of information I don't care if you read the ones that were written uh, uh, over a hundred years ago they're they're full of the information and this isn't theoretical information or stuff like that. These are the people that went out there and they did it, and they found out what worked and what didn't work. And I'm telling you, the Old Farmer's Almanac is a tremendous wealth of information, and it'll tell you everything from uh, what when to plant in your area, uh, what to do, what not to do. Uh, but you're going to need to keep a journal, just like just like Richard was just saying, you really need to keep a journal because I'm the same way, and uh, and it is really easy uh, to forget something or leave something out that you need to do, uh, and you're going to take the the uh, the notes that you're getting offline. You're going to go ahead and print those out, put them in a three-ring binder, but then you're also going to write down uh, the things that you did that worked and didn't work. You know, planted on such and such a date, the crops were ready by such and such a date. The only way, and people will give you, uh, they will tell you, like the the seed packages and stuff that will tell you when your crops are going to be ready, and they they'll have a pretty good idea of when it is. But every every 
plant is going to be different for every location. So so the, the stuff on your package is, is good general information, but the only way you're going to find out for sure how long it takes for something to grow to maturity uh, is by doing it yourself and keeping the notes on it. And you can find out uh, or you, you can find out things that work and don't work, and then you can write them down to make sure that you don't accidentally repeat them uh, or make it, or any of the mistakes that you made that you don't repeat them. And it's a good way for you to to understand how your particular garden is running. And right now, if you do it right now, then it's just a fun hobby. And uh, and if you lose all of your tomatoes, well, so be it. That means you'll have to buy them from the store. But uh, if it's a situation where you're counting on every single tomato uh, in order to get you through to the next year, then that's this is a very important thing. It's a very serious business. And I'll I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more that the the aspects that are required to try to actually fulfill your needs for a year, and I've done it. Um, right. You've got to you've got to expect you've got to expect a percentage of catastrophe every single year. If it doesn't happen, you're golden. And then you're trying to give the stuff away because you got so much. But uh, right. one year I had a tremendous locust problem, and and it was kind of it was completely out of the norm. All of a sudden there was thousands of locusts, and um, you know in that particular year, around the perimeter of the garden, I had to use some very strong pesticide because they were going to wipe it out. I mean well, there were just thousands of them. I tried not to spray my that. plants. I had grass But I did have to have some pesticide to, to perimeter the garden just to cut down on it. Right. I had grasshoppers and, and I had so don't many. Don't be afraid of don't be afraid I, of fertilizers either. Put, if you're if I you've got to have that garden out there on it, and uh, and the grasshoppers came so quickly that it was overnight. Uh, there was they were finally one day, and then the grasshoppers showed up. And by the next morning, all of the leaves were eaten off all of the plants, and they were done. The only thing I had that uh, the two things that lasted a little bit longer were the uh, tomatoes and the watermelons and cantaloupes. They they seem to they seem to not want to eat those all right at first, but but they eventually did. And I put so much. Uh, seven dust out on the plant that finally at the end of it I said, you know, I, I don't even want to eat these now because yeah. because they're solid white from the seven dust. I just really don't want to eat them. But they, they ate every single leaf. And even the water, finally the tomatoes and watermelons and cantaloupes, they ate every single leaf off of them finally. So it wasn't hard to find the tomatoes because the stalks were bare except for the tomatoes. The, stalk, the vines were bare except for the cantaloupes and watermelons. But you have to harvest them then because there's no, there are no leaves left. Uh, but that that happened. Uh, that has happened t- during two planting seasons over the last ten years, and I'm sure it's going to happen again. Because like I said earlier, you if you if you wait to put a fence up around your garden, and and you go out one morning and you find that uh, uh, a fourth of the acre that you planted disappeared overnight. 
because of yep. one or two deer, then you're going to be in sad shape. If those deer, right after you planted that corn <clears throat> and it got about uh, six or seven inches high, then uh, a deer can uh, can eat several hundred plants very easily in one night. Well, you know, uh, rabbits can rabbits plants. can be absolutely devastating to your to your to your uh, to your plants too, especially when they're first coming up because they'll they're just germinating, they're just coming up, and they'll eat off every one of them. And one of the things that I found is, in order to make a fence worthwhile, you actually have to bury down at least hardware cloth of some type, at least down a foot, and making an L shape at the bottom, so they can't dig underneath it, because the little buggers right. will dig right underneath your fence too. That is something that right. has happened to me, and now I know to make sure I've got a, a, a fence down inside the soil itself, um, you know, for the for the burrowing animals, because they'll burrow right, they'll just dig right underneath your fence and just hop right in. Right, and there's, there's different things you can do, like uh, like that, like putting a fence up, putting a uh, uh, addition to the fence that will keep something from going under it. Uh, you can do things like... Uh, I remember after the first year that I got the grasshoppers, and I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to get some guineas, and the guineas will take care of those grasshoppers. And uh, but here's the thing, you know, if you're going to do that, then you got to, you'll have to build a completely enclosed uh, garden with a roof and everything else, because if not, the guineas can, they can just go wherever they want to go, and there's grasshoppers everywhere, and then they'll go and they'll roost in your barn right over your table and uh, and they'll put out about two to three gallons of manure every night right on top of your workbench uh, but there are ways there are ways that you can use things in conjunction with each other you can use uh, things like chickens uh, you know to to keep the bugs out of your garden uh, there How are you ways that you can plant uh, you can plant other garden other items in the garden uh, to help drive away the pests, you can plant uh, rows of onions interspersed in there. There are different things that you can plant in your gardens to help Marigold. get the bugs out. Yeah, and we'll talk about this more as the week go by. But I just want to uh, I want to get folks familiar, uh, or at least introduced to the fact that if you if you in your prepping plan. If it says seeds and a garden, and you're thinking about having a, a garden to help provide you with food, and I'm going to tell you, there's really no other way that you're going to make it without growing some of your own food. There, there is no other way, unless you have, uh, you know, a couple of million dollars, and that is adjusted dollars for uh, grid down dollars. By that I mean. Uh, if you have a couple of million Bic lighters and, uh, and hunting knives and everything else you're willing to trade, there's no way you're going to make it without growing some of your own food. You're, it's, there's just no way you're going to have to. So this has to be part of your of your plan. And if it is part of your plan and you're going to end up depending on it, then you've got to know what you're doing. You have to know what you're doing. That means you've got to grow some crops now. You've got to grow some so that you can start figuring out what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, the things that are going to work and the things that aren't. You got, you're going to have to start doing it now, and it's not that hard. And I'm not telling you that you have to, uh, 
But you go ahead and go ahead and plow up uh, a couple of acres. You can start. You can start with just a uh, uh, just one of those wash tubs that you can get at the uh, tractor supply or something like that. You can just start. With I'm going to tell you, uh, if you had a two acre garden, you've got a full time job. Right. Right. That's you a guarantee. Can, if you think you're going to if you think you're going to maintain a two acre garden on a part time basis, uh, you're not. Uh, two acre garden, right, and you better have ten people ready to to help you can when the time comes, if you because it always comes at the same doggone time. And canning is a whole other, a whole right, other thing. But at the same time, you're not gonna, you you don't need a two acre garden uh, if it's just you and one other person. You're not gonna need a, a two acre garden if you do it right. Well, you're unless you're planning to, on bartering. You're gonna be able to get enough food uh, from just a small. Plot. That's what I'm saying. You start now and start uh, figuring out how much how much you're going to get from uh, uh, from different ways of gardening. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago I I did a thing called uh, the uh, uh, what was it called the Japanese uh, 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 I can't remember the name of it now. Anyway, it's uh, what you do is you just make a You'll take some uh, some fence wire, like uh, like chicken wire or something like that. Maybe something a little bit uh, stronger at first, like some field wire, and you uh, you make it into a cylinder. And it's only like about uh, oh 24 to 36 inches across, and then you you put the uh, you work the soil where you're going to put it. And it only has to be about uh, oh, about a foot larger in diameter than what you're planting. And then you start building a compost pile inside the cylinder. All right? You guys, uh, it's not hard to do. You're going to put down uh, some soil and then some straw and then uh, some uh, seasoned, some aged manure, some more soil, some more straw, and the different things that you're going to compost. And you're going to build that up, uh, oh, probably about uh, uh, 36 to 48 inches or so. And then you're going to plant, plant your four, uh, four to six tomato plants around the outside of this. And what this is doing is it's going to uh, uh, be the fertilizer for these tomato plants, uh, Japanese tomato ring. That's what it was called. And then you can pin well, the cool. The tomato plants to the field wire as they grow up, and let me tell you this one uh these uh I think I only had four plants anyway the four plants made i think well over two hundred pounds on just the four plants that's my thought. and uh, so the point I'm trying to make is that you don't always need a whole lot of of ground to support yourself. You can get a, you can get some buckets. You can put some container gardens up. Things like uh, like tomatoes. Be a lot. Most people that are getting gardening uh, uh, in containers are usually gardening some tomatoes. Uh, some of the things that don't take up a whole lot of space. Uh, I planted some uh, uh, peppers, uh, several different varieties of peppers in containers one time, and made all that I needed uh, for myself. Uh, it doesn't take a whole lot of space 
you get started. And once again, there's plenty of resources out there that you can look at. Square Foot Gardening uh, is uh, one of the, the most talked about books because that's uh, one of their whole one of their whole premises is they're going to tell you how to get the most for you from every square foot of ground on your property. So, uh, so certainly that's a great a great place to start. Uh, all right, did you have anything else that you wanted to? Uh, well, you know, I think you're doing a pretty good job. I think you're doing a pretty good job. I'm not opposed to using non-heirloom seeds for for a number of crops, um, and there's a reason that they make a lot of the hybrids because you just get higher yields and things like that. And I realize you can't save the seeds. I do understand that. And some things I do use heirloom seeds for, and I actually do harvest some seeds, uh, you know, and replant those every year. But one of the advantages I have is I'm very far away from other people, and I don't have to worry about what they're growing cross-pollinating my crops. So, right. you know, I maintain have, the heirloom. We'll have trouble with that. Uh, even if you're growing, uh, you know, two, if you're growing two different uh, varieties of heirlooms in your garden, then you're going to end up with uh, some cross You're going to end up with a hybrid. You'll have to, you'll have to, you'll have to pay attention to what you're doing and how you're doing it, if you want to keep the uh, the varieties that you have, if you want to keep them pure, and a lot of times it's not that hard because you can you can go out there and manually pollinate it and then close it off so that it doesn't get any more. Uh, there's right. different things you can do, but uh, and I'm not saying that you can't use hybrids. I'm just saying uh, you know for certain things and. And there's no reason that you can't include some hybrids in your prep. But I think the majority of your prep should be heirloom uh, seeds. But there's no reason well, you can't the, keep... Well, the, uh, the, the, the thing, though, the thing, though with, the, with a lot of the hybrids that they've done is they've, they've cured things like, uh, in a lot of cases, like tomato mosaic and things of that nature, which, you know, if... You know, there's 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 good reason to have some of those disease resistant or drought resistant versions, depending on your scenario. And they do keep long, they do keep a good long time. So you should you should keep some some of the inexpensive. I buy them after the sales over for the year. I buy them a little bit later in the year. You know, I get them for cents on the dollar, and I keep those in my quiver. Um, not that I you know, am, am pushing hybrid seeds. I'm certainly not. But you can get them for you know ten twenty cents on the dollar, and having a, having a bunch of those in your quiver certainly doesn't hurt. And one other thing, and I'm going to close with this. Um, I am going to close with this. When we get into canning, I want to bring back a lot of things because I've canned for so many years, and I've learned a lot of things about canning. But the final thing I want to say is, uh, a couple of years ago, I got snowed in for a couple months. I live way out in the middle of nowhere. And I got into a lot of my prep foods. And you know what happened to me? I got indigestion. And I got indigestion really bad. This might be funny, but I'm telling you what, there's a lot worse things you can have for barter than a few caseloads of Tums and or antacids. Because I'll tell you what, as people's diet changes, they're going to get indigestion too. And I'll tell you what. You'll pay an awful lot for a for a tab of uh, fatidamide or or one of those if your gut's killing well, you. Well, the 
the uh, uh, the medical or first aid list that I put out uh, has a has a pretty uh, lengthy uh, section on it for. Uh, I'm not. I'm not disputing that. I'm talking about indigestion and for constipation and stuff like that because of that fact. Because when right, but I'm just saying. I'm not necessarily. I'm not necessarily dissing on you for that. I'm just saying a a couple of cases. I know you're not dissing. I know you're not dissing. I'm. I'm. I'm I'm trying to explain it to you. That is that. That on the the list that I put out for the uh, for the uh, first aid and medical has those specific things in it because of that. And that's what I wrote out there is that that you can certainly expect to get, uh, some folks are certainly expect to get indigestion or constipation because you're radically changing your diet. So I said you need to have, you need to keep these items on hand in order to deal with that because. Right, but I'm thinking about the entire population experiencing this, and I'm just thinking it would be an extremely valuable an extremely valuable barter item. Right. Right. You know, well, uh, you, you know, you especially if you can get them in some kind of bulk, a roll, of, uh, a hundred rolls of tums that buy you an awful lot. Yeah, there you go. Well, thank you very much, Richard. I appreciate you calling. Yeah, have a wonderful evening, evening, and I'll be listening in. further. All right. Thank you, sir. Uh He's absolutely right. If you change your diet uh, and you start eating, uh, especially if you're going to start eating uh, stuff that you're not usually eating, and uh, certainly if you start eating just MREs, you're going to get uh, you're going to get something happening to you. I'm, I'm telling you, uh, the. Uh, the one of the things you could certainly make money on quick, I think, and I told this to a, a buddy of mine who's a, an airline pilot, <clears throat> and uh, he took me up on it because he flies to a lot of places that have uh, duty-free shops. So now every time he goes, he'll buy uh, several quarts of uh, of uh, whiskey or vodka or whatever. You know, whatever it is, he's not a drinker, but uh, you know, he stocked up a big pantry full of those, and then he he'll buy his limit on cigarettes, cartons of cigarettes. And uh, I'm telling you right now that uh, that that money that you invest in that is never going to be wasted, and uh, it also doesn't take it doesn't take the end of the world for you to make your money back. Uh, people that smoke cigarettes, they want to smoke cigarettes. And uh, all it would take would be, uh, uh, you know, a three-day power outage where they couldn't get them. You could certainly sell the, uh, you could sell the cigarettes for uh, basically whatever uh, whatever the market would bear. I'm telling you, uh, folks are going to want to buy them. So even if you don't smoke, uh, investing in something like, uh, you know, 15, 20 cartons of cigarettes is, is always going to get your money back, right? Always. Same thing with alcohol. Uh, I don't. I I personally don't store a bunch of alcohol because uh, that's one of the things that I'm not that interested in trading uh, because of uh, uh, because of other things that go along with it. We'll talk more about that now. I 
I am going to have somebody come on and talk to you about making alcohol, about uh, building a spill and making alcohol, which is illegal. But uh, alcohol is one of the things that uh, that is tremendously important uh, in in things like uh, collapses uh, and cessation of services and stuff like that for a lot of different reasons, not just, not for drinking, but for a lot of other reasons. And there should be, uh, if you have the skill to make it, if you teach yourself how to make it, uh, then you'll be in pretty good shape, all right? So, But we'll have somebody that's going to come on and talk about that specific uh, skill and uh, and we're going to have folks coming on. Like I said, I'm not sure if they're going to be on this next week or not. I asked them if they wanted to come on this next week to talk to you about uh, seeds and varieties. I know one of the things I wanted to mention was it, which was right as far as uh, as saving or keeping hybrids uh, in your seed bank. Absolutely, there's no reason you can't do that. Uh, most seeds, depending on how they're stored, will last a pretty decent amount of time. Uh, tomatoes, uh, beans, stuff like that, they'll go five to seven years, you know, if you store them right then. <clears throat> and some will go even along, a little bit longer. Some don't, uh, especially if they're not stored right or if you are harvesting the seeds and you're not uh, drying them out completely before you put them into their storage containers. Uh, if uh, if they're mishandled, uh, one of the things you don't want to do is you don't want to you don't want to put your fingers on the seeds a lot. Uh, they need to keep, be kept dry and dirt and oil free and everything like that. So you don't want to be putting your fingers on the seeds a lot. Uh, but the seeds will last a pretty decent amount of time. But here's the thing I wanted to, to, to interject in there, though, is that, yes, yeah, some, uh, some of the heirlooms don't have some of the hybridized resistance to disease and stuff like that. But, and this isn't, for, uh, this isn't just for survival. This is for your dinner plate. And that what I want to say is that when you go to the grocery store, Normally, there's only uh, one or two rows of tomatoes. Now, you can go to some places that, that have more. They have a lot of different. But even those will only have, uh, you know, five, six, seven varieties that uh, are normally grown by some some large uh, vegetable company. And i got to tell you that that most of the tomatoes that you can get in a grocery store uh, – are not, they don't taste the way tomatoes are supposed to taste, all right? That's what I'm trying to say, is that you can get some of the uh, the hybrids and and plant them and grow them. You bring them into your table and you taste these tomatoes and you're going to be absolutely uh, astounded by the different tastes that you can get from uh, from some of the heirloom uh, plants. Uh, from the the tomatoes and the beans and the squashes and things like that, uh, the varieties that you can get. Because normally, like I said, in the store, you go in there and you have uh, uh, only a few uh, only a few choices, one or two choices of 
of tomatoes, one or two choices of potatoes. Uh, you get either a red delicious apple or a Granny Smith. Uh, I'll tell you, if you want to see some difference in apples and taste the way the apples should taste, go up to go up to New England sometime and eat some of the apples that they have up there. It's a whole different world, I'm telling you. Uh, their uh, their way that these things taste. Uh, a lot of the the hybridization. And a lot of the the abilities to make the plants resistant and stuff like that, I think have come at the cost of a lot of flavor. Uh, and and some of the heirloom tomatoes that you can get, I keep saying tomatoes because that's my most the, the most experience I have. And plus, I really like tomatoes. Uh, the taste is just out of this world. Uh, you eat uh, you eat one of these, and then you try a, a forkful of the uh, uh, of just uh, the regular you know uh, uh, Walmart variety big boy or something like that, and and it's two different worlds, right? <clears throat> and uh, and you'll need to you'll need to keep your seeds that you're going to plant. Uh, You'll need to keep them in a nice, cool, very dry place. And it needs to be something that the insects and the rodents and stuff can't get into. What I've been doing is I'll take my uh, my seed packets and I put them into a mason jar. Or, or, or any kind of jar that I get, uh, you know, that maybe had something in it uh, that we ate. Some of the... Uh, 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 pizza sauce or, you know, anything like that that has uh, uh, a uh, glass container that has a good airtight top on it. I'll take those, wash them out really good, dry them out really good, and I'll take the seeds and uh, put the dates on the seeds of when I've got them, and then I'll put them into the glass jars, put the lid on tight, and I'll also drop in a, uh, uh, you know, a uh, oxygen eater and a moisture uh, uh, collector so that the that the containers are staying as dry as they can and they keep them in a, a cool, dark place. Uh, and that should extend the life on them. And I saw somebody put into the uh, in the chat room that they've that they have found seeds uh, from as as long ago as 3,000 years uh, they were found in the pyramids. And that's true. And uh, and then after 3,000 years in the tomb, they took them out and planted them. I think uh, there were different kinds of, uh, like, barley and wheat and stuff like that. And some of the barley came up after 3,000 years in storage. Uh, and that could possibly happen to you. i got to tell you that the pyramids are pretty notoriously dry, and it's going to be uh, cool and dark down inside them. Uh, I wouldn't count on more than uh, what the label says. I would make sure that I dated the uh, the seeds and uh, on the package, and then on the outside of wherever you're storing them in. They got to be stored in something that the rodents can't eat their way into, or the bugs. And then be sure and change those out periodically. All right, plant. Uh, the seeds that are about to go out, you take those out and you plant those. Plant those, uh, and uh, I wanted to get over starting seeds. 
how to start your seeds, but we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll cover that at another time. That deserves a, a good amount of time uh, to talk to it because starting your a lot of people go to the uh, they go to uh, Lowe's or Home Depot or Walmart or their local hardware store and they buy uh, plants that are already germinated. You can get you know four or five plants for two or three bucks, and uh, that's a that's a good deal, right? I mean, uh, for the people that are selling those, uh, because you can get uh, you know eight or nine hundred plants out of your out of your package of seeds uh, for a dollar if you do it right. And there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to do it right. And we'll talk about how you can do that uh, on another program. We'll talk more about soil preparation uh, and about maintaining the soil uh, also. Uh, and uh, we'll have some more tips on that. Richard, uh, he's there in the chat room, and he says, uh, don't plant tomatoes in the same spot every year. They'll prevent uh, the uh, uh, tomato mosaic, and that's absolutely right. Uh, matter of fact, you should have a uh, you should have a plan on rotating your uh, the crops in your garden. <coughs> so that you're not planting them the exact same over your time because this will help cut down things like uh, disease that could be uh, left in the soil. Uh, it will also help uh, by planting certain other plants into the soil uh, to help put stuff back into the soil. If you plant different things like we were talking about earlier about uh, things like nitrogen-fixing legumes you could plant uh, in your garden to help maintain the soil. Uh, and we'll talk about all that uh, in more detail uh, as we go along. Because we want to talk about gardening a, a, a decent amount because because it's really important, right? And uh, I know it's not as glamorous or sec as sexy as shooting, but here's the thing. In my 53 years, 53, yes, 53 years, uh, I've been in, uh, I've probably been in about a dozen situations that were uh, gunfights and nice, uh, they were very serious. I've probably been in, I don't know, 60, 70 uh, fisticuff type fights. And if you average that out, uh, you could maybe come to uh, one or one and a half times in the course of the 53 years that I've needed uh, to defend myself with my hands or with a firearm or a knife. But every single day of those 53 years, for the most part, there's quite a few days I missed in college, but every single day I've needed to eat something, right? so which is going to be more important. Is it going to be the gun and the bullets, or is it going to be the garden? Now, certainly, you want to have a gun and bullets to protect the garden, but I'm telling you, without the garden, the gun and bullets aren't going to do you any good. You're not going to be able to eat them, all right? You're going to need to make sure you have a way to feed yourself. And uh, so we're going to devote uh, uh, a decent amount of time uh, to talking about gardening in the next uh, few weeks. And I'd like for you guys, I mean, there's got to be a lot of you guys that are listening to this show that 
that have way more experience in this than I do. And I'm going to need you guys, like Richard, I'm going to need you guys to call in and add your uh, add your knowledge to this so that the folks can benefit from it. Because knowledge is only, it only has a value if you share it. Uh, you could be the smartest man in the world. You could know how to uh, build a... Uh, uh, you know, a continuous uh, motion uh, device. Uh, you could have the answer to all of the diseases we have, everything. But unless you actually shared that knowledge with someone else, it would be worthless. Worthless. All right? So I need you guys uh, to help out. All right. Uh, I want to touch on... Uh, Hold on just a second. I wanted to touch on promotions, all right? And uh, one of the things that I want to, to talk to you tonight about is your community calendars, all right? You have uh, every every city, town in the nation, <laughs> If it has more than three or four people in it, and usually it only takes is one person, uh, we'll have a community calendar. And because Appleseed is a nonprofit, uh, you've got a good chance on getting on to the community calendar free, right? And a lot of community calendars, they won't let you put any commercial stuff on because then it would just turn into one big advertisement. However, if it's uh, something like a nonprofit, then they'll let you go ahead and do it. And you know each one's going to be different. You'll just have to you'll have to submit it and see what they will let you do. Uh, um, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you guys through uh, setting up the the community calendar. All right, I'm going to start with uh, I, I Google community calendar Temple, Texas, and uh, and we're going to go through putting it on here. All right. I went to the city of the city of Temple community calendar, and uh, I'm going to I'm going to find out how to to put this on here. I'm going to talk you through putting it on here. Hold on just a second here. I don't think that I've uh, I don't think I've ever used this one. I think that uh, I think that they would not let me put it on there. But I'm going to try it again. I'm going to try and uh, and put it on here again. Okay. Well, I'm not. Not seeing the. Let me go to another one. <clears throat> okay. This must be. Uh, must just be run by the. By the. City. I mean, you know, maintained by. It. <clears throat> All right. Let me 
get another one here. <clears throat> anyway, uh, everyone has a community calendar, and there's not just one. There's usually a community calendar for almost every everything in uh, the city. And uh, like here in Simple, there is the uh, community calendar for the two local television stations, community calendar for the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, and then there are probably a dozen different community calendars that are uh, that are different types of independent community calendars because somebody's figured out that they can make money by advertising by you know by putting out a community calendar and advertising on it and so that's what they've done they started a an independent community calendar uh, labeled Temple Texas and they let you put stuff on there and and then they're making money from the advertisers on it. All right, so I'm now I'm on the KCEN TV uh, page, and I put in that I want to set up an account. I go to it. I put in my email address, my username, my password, uh, all the rest of the stuff, and then I submit it, and then I get the the create an event page I put in uh, who I am who who is doing the event uh, the Appleseed project I put in the Appleseed project uh, address for our home page I put in the dates that uh, the events are going to be held and I can do it uh, on this one submit form I can do multiple dates so I can do uh, all of the dates for the year, uh, just on this one page, one page. All right, now I hit submit, and that's going in. And now what it does is it goes to to someone who's monitoring this, and they take a look at it and they make sure that I'm not putting up something that's that's wrong, that's bad, or that it's a scam or anything else. They're going to okay it. Once you're okay it, and then it goes onto the uh, onto the web page, onto the calendar, <clears throat> and uh, and there it is. That's how long it took. And now we'll be waiting to uh, to get on the KCENTV.com calendar. Now, there are another, uh, I think that there are six calendars here that I keep us on. And you can do the same thing yourself. And it only takes a couple of minutes. Now, is this going to produce a flood, a tsunami of people knocking down your door to get to the apple seed? No, it's not. There's actually nothing that's going to be able to do that unless you unless you run it a, a television station and you uh, you put down that you're giving away free grants uh, if you will come to an apple seed, uh, then that might uh, generate a tsunami. But I don't know. You know, maybe it wouldn't. What this will do, though, is it's going to add to your uh, to your promotions plan because now that you've done this, 
Now, you don't have to go back to it, all right? But it is going to sit there and work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all month long, all 12 months of the year. This is going to be working for you. When somebody says, hey, uh, what's going on this week? And apparently a lot of people use these because they charge a pretty decent bit to advertise in them. So I checked uh, one time to see how much it would be to put an advertisement up in there. And it's a pretty decent amount. Uh, and you can only do that uh, if if people are getting a return for their money. You know, understand what I'm saying? Same thing with the billboards and stuff like that. They charge a lot for the billboards. Uh, the billboards that I got uh, for Appleseed in Temple, I think that those were... Uh, if if we were paying the commercial price instead of the nonprofit price, we would have been paying about uh, twelve thousand dollars a month. Uh, as it was, we were only paying about a hundred dollars a month. So for a thousand dollars, we got uh, we got about a hundred and twenty thousand dollars worth of advertising. Now, this works the same way. The calendars. Uh, every time you add another. Uh, another page to your plan, then, like I said, don't expect a tsunami, but it's going to be working 24 hours a day introducing people to Appleseed because people are going to see uh, the Appleseed project on there and they're going to go, what's this? They're going to click on it and they're going to get uh, an introduction to what the program is. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to go. They may not like to shoot, but they're still going to get introduced to it. And maybe they do like to shoot, and they, even that doesn't mean they're going to go, but they're going to get an introduction to it. They're going to hear about it here first, then they're going to hear about it somewhere else, and then they're going to hear about it somewhere else, and then finally they're going to go. So what you're doing is you're adding another way for folks to hear about Appleseed and that's something else that's going to work for you. And like I said, it, the, these are the easiest things that you can do. It only takes a couple of minutes. Uh and you can do, you could probably do, uh, I would say, two of these in about uh, 15 minutes. And then they're going to work the rest of the year for you. They're going to be uh, running 24 hours a day, working for you. You don't have to feed them. You don't have to pay them. You don't have to thank them. They're just going to be sitting there running, all right? So be sure and add putting your events on the community calendar. Like I said, it's not going to – I don't I don't know how many people you're going to get out of this, maybe none, uh, but people do look at them, and and it's free and easy to do. So take a minute to do that. All right. Uh, we're down to the last few minutes of this show here. What I'd like to do now is uh, remind folks that uh, Battle Road USA – is the one that actually pays the bills for the for me to do the radio show. Nobody else pays me. I've never gotten a dime from uh, from Appleseed uh, or anybody else. Uh, I do the I pay the bills for Appleseed Radio every year. I have ever since it started, and it's not just a little bit. They've gotten uh, fairly expensive, not only just in money but in time. Uh, you can do the math. Uh, if it takes me uh, four hours, uh, minimum four hours, to to load the show, to sit here and do the show, 
and then to do whatever research I'm doing or contacting guests and stuff. But that turns out to be four hours. Uh, it's usually a minimum of three to four hours per show, and it's over 50 shows a year, then uh, that's 25 eight-hour days, right? So that's a lot of time that uh, that I devote to this, and and I do it because I hoping I'm hoping in some way that it is helping. All right. Uh, all right. And uh, Battle Road USA right now is paying. Uh, they're paying. I mean, literally paying the price tag. This uh, the uh, the charge goes straight to the Battle Road USA uh, uh, bank account. All right. Uh, what I'd like to let you guys know is that we are coming up just a short uh, three weeks from uh, the Battle Road USA uh, in the world as we know it, Zombie Destruction Run and Gun. And uh, we still got some tickets left for that. This is the four-and-a-half-mile looping course with uh, eight shooting stations for rifle and pistol. And there are going to be obstacles in between each of the stations. Now, listen, you don't have to be uh, Spetsnaz or Delta to do this uh, event. We we have specifically uh, made it so that if you're just starting out in competition, this is something that you can do, all right? But it's not a baby course either, all right? It's going to be challenging. But I'm telling you, unless you want to run, you don't have to run the four and a half miles. Some folks do, all right? But you don't have to. You can walk the course. But there's going to be uh, obstacles in between uh, each of these stations. There will be eight shooting stations, some rifle, some pistol. And uh, it's 100 bucks, and you'll get a, a meal and a T-shirt with that. A good chance to uh, to hang out with your friends. This is October 12th. Good chance to hang out with your friends. Most importantly, it's a good chance for you to see how your gear is going to work. People tell me all the time, hey, if something happens, I'm going to use this rifle. I'm going to carry my mags like this. I'm going to use this pistol. I'm going to hold it. I'm going to put it on my gear like this. I'm going to wear this backpack. I'm going to carry my water this way. I'm going to wear these boots. And yet these people may not have ever walked even 100 yards in this gear. They don't know that it's going to work at all. The only way they're going to know is if they try it. Listen, why would you wait until something happens in order to find out that there's something wrong with your gear or that you need more training or that your glasses fall off or, or whatever? Come out to the uh, October 12th uh, Battle Road USA into the world running gun and test out your gear. Bring your friends. Make them check. Test out their gear, too. All right? You can find more about it at BattleRoadUSA.com. Okay, I want to thank everybody that's uh, listening tonight and everybody that's going to be listening in the archives. And we'll see you uh, this next Thursday night, 7 p.m. Central.
Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.